0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way of the Warrior. Your MMA show. Ten
1: seconds yeah, he rolls into it. Seconds. Wow, he might it. get it.
0: Way of the Warrior. One of his legs could fight it well through it, I'm sure. Probably. Out, here's
1: some ground and
0: I think the first two minutes were everything we thought it was going to be, and then after that it was the surprise of the night. If it happens in MMA, you hear about it here. Your MMA show, Way of the Warrior. It is Way of the Warrior, sort of, kind of. This is the Incredible Halt podcast, but I wanted to do some real quick housekeeping for the remainder of the year. It is March as you are listening to this, and many of you have asked, hey, you guys sort of did the Conor McGregor retiring in October, and it didn't feel like it was real, and now it sort of feels like it's real, and we're wondering if you're going to do anything. So here's what we're going to do. So Nick Bailey, who is here with me, and I have chatted, and we are going to do a podcast henceforth for every pay-per-view. That might be before the pay-per-view, that might be after the pay-per-view, but we're gonna cover all the pay-per-views and that's it. Because um, Ken and I just got to the point where covering the sport every week just wasn't, it's not that it wasn't interesting enough, it just it wasn't, you guys weren't responding. You would respond when there was pay-per-views and you wouldn't listen when there wasn't, right? So we figured we would kind of double down on when there's a pay-per-view or something worth talking about. And other than that, we would go about our business. So the Incredible Halt podcast for the remainder of the year is going to be a whole bunch of different things, and 12 of them will be this. So if you do not like fighting, now is your time to leave. If you're on the way of the Warrior Channel and you like things other than fighting, now is the time to join the Incredible Halt podcast. And now that that is out of the way, Nick Bailing, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I am amazing. So we don't have a pay-per-view this week, but there is some crazy stuff happening in the world of mixed martial arts. I wanted to get your take on the first of which is your thoughts on this Conor McGregor insanity, right? There's a retirement and then there's a sexual allegation that's been going on for months and months and months, finally released by the New York times Um, your thoughts on all of the stuff that's
1: going on with Connor. My initial reaction to what he was talking about with his retirement is I thought that this was a ploy to um, strengthen his bargaining chip. For either getting shares in the company or um, wanting to get that main event spot so he gets points on whatever pay-per-view sure. view model is left. And they... We'll um, talk about that in a second. Sure, yeah. But that's the that was my original thought because I think he saw what GSP did in the coverage that he got and thought, Oh, I can kind of jump along, like go along those lines, but not do it for real. Because <laughs> GSP seems pretty permanent. Yes. And then... Go back and then say, "Oh no, actually, I'm coming out of my retirement for this fighter," and then he can has a better chance to go for super fights or to finish his trilogies or whatever he's trying to do.
0: So I've been thinking about this all week, and I I just shared with you before the podcast started that I just recently finished a a book called Unstoppable, which I highly recommend if you're into competitive sports or competitive at all. You read this book because it's fantastic. But as I was reading it and thinking about this, I, I thought to myself, and I think Luke Thomas was talking about this that. Um, there was a moment where Conor McGregor was just sort of willing things into existence, right? Willing title fights and willing beating Nate Diaz the second time, willing all that stuff. And then he has what happened in Brooklyn and then what happened with Nurmagomedov. And he's been sort of radio silent since. And I, I wonder if he's having a difficult time getting it back, getting that Magic Mac back right to will stuff into existence because he clearly couldn't will anything save for round three into existence in that Nurmagomedov fight
1: well yeah and um just to add to that list that you were talking about also the miami incident where he got arrested and smashed the phone yeah there's so many this week it's hard to keep track of what connor's doing right well and uh there's a there's a few people that have actually covered this but when you have your like when you're unfocused, unstoppable becomes something that's very difficult. And sure. When you become that large of a star with that amount of money to do what you want with and being somebody that is a driven person, he's obviously going to go down different paths and he's going to try to figure stuff out but that does take away from the thing that got him there a little bit and I think it's harder to will yourself there when you're not stacking all the chips in your favor behind the scenes.
0: Do you think though that If you were if you were in his corner, you were the guy giving him advice. Because this is how I think about this. I feel like you should just take another fight, right? Like you need a win. You don't need. You think you need pay per view
1: points and main event status and bright shiny lights, but I feel like you need a win. Well, the rumors of the Cowboy Cerrone fight was one of the more interesting ones for me because that would have been a fight to win. He could have won. Not saying he would have, but he could have won. It would have thrown him right back into the mix. And then if you ride off into the sunset then, call out Nate Diaz or go after the belt one more time, you're going to finish your legacy on that high note that you're looking for. This seems like a very anticlimactic version of how I thought he would be retiring
0: well and you hinted at it a couple minutes ago the reason it's anticlimactic is guys as you dig into this ESPN plus deal we were all griping eight days ago oh we've got to pay five dollars to get into ESPN plus then we've got to pay for pay-per-views then and then and then. this is such a terrible deal for the fans it might be But it's a really terrible deal for the fighters because what this does is this guarantees, guarantees the UFC pay-per-view buys of a half a million for everything for the remainder of the year and the next five years, right? Because it's a six-year deal, which they haven't touched those numbers in what, four years?
1: Right, yeah.
0: Right, so you get a guarantee half a million and you talked about whatever pay-per-view points are left. If you're a fighter, I don't know what pay-per-view points are left and like I don't... You and I, neither of you, have, uh, have seen a contract as of late, so I don't actually know. But if you're a fighter, this is way worse for you than it is for us and our $5 that we have to shell out to get into the ecosystem.
1: R- yeah, well, and the one part that I'm a little bit confused on that, you don't actually get... Like, you pay the $5, but that doesn't get you a pay-per-view. Correct. You then pay for the pay-per-view.
0: Correct, but the modeling that they have is that it will be a half a million Cause you're dumping 6 million people into the ESPN plus app. They're doing, you know, what we do here for a living, right? They're doing top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel math. They're going to average a half a million pay-per-view buys from now into perpetuity because you're shoving everybody into one ecosystem. You can't buy on YouTube. You can't buy on Xbox or PlayStation or Roku or whatever. Um, and if that holds true, it's better than they've done in four years, which takes all, all of Connor's negotiating power away. Right. Because they've already done better this year than they did when he was fighting. Yes, he has two of the top three of all time, but if you look at the stuff that's around it, he had no there was no butterfly effect to the next pay-per-view. It was a butterfly effect to the next pay-per-view he was on.
1: Right. Yep. Right. Right. That is it's actually interesting to see what's going to happen with these guys. Going forward with their contracts, because maybe Connor did see the writing on the wall and it's something that we're not seeing in this case. But um, if if you're not going to be making those big paychecks right at the very top, guaranteed, because Connor knew the points that you do and he knew it was worth, maybe you are going into a gray area and maybe he is looking to renegotiate or maybe this is for real. And he just says, look, this isn't for me anymore. And I'm out while I still have what seems to be all of his brains? All of his brains and all of his life. He's, what is he? He's, is he 30 yet? I only, I only say that all of his brains because of some of the outside of the ring life choices he's making. <laughs> well,
0: but I mean, I, I think that comes from me personally. I think that comes from your inability to focus. All of these distractions get you lured back in because you don't have anything to focus on. So you can smash people's phones and you can bring a Dolly to your favorite pay-per-view venue to throw at a bus right like all of that comes from a lack of clearly a lack of discipline but a lot for a guy like him a lack of something to aim for because that at that point the brooklyn point he had no nothing was booked and now with the miami thing nothing is booked just
1: wandering around well i think that this kind of might wrap it up a little bit or at least put a bow on this point is the fact that you know the stories used to be coming out was with a guy that was a movement coach sure and to what effect that actually added to him you don't know but he was pursuing that so diligently that he was going outside of the realm of what the traditional fighters were doing to try to gain some sort of advantage and now you don't hear him going and trying to find new ways or training outside of the normal realm you hear him about throwing dollies and smashing phones which that seems like
0: Uh, And I think that's a very astute way to put it. And I'll be interested to see how this shakes out because Dana White also said this week, I hear you on the ownership, but here's how that works. You put money in, we give you ownership, not the other way around. And so as Dana has called his bluff twice this week, once on his brand equity and twice on his needing a stake in the company, um, you know, I don't know where this stalemate will end up, but your thoughts on Nurmagomedov again do you think does he have anything for Nurmagomedov assuming let's let's assume we live in this MMA utopia where Nurmagomedov not only comes back but doesn't come back completely crazy right and does what he's supposed to do and will fight in Vegas or whatever um does he have anything for him
1: um i would actually this connor this connor that's the problem um I don't think so. I don't think that he's going to evolve to show the things that he wants. Now, are we going to be talking about a puncher's chance? Sure. Everybody, especially Connor, has that that puncher's chance. And I didn't even give him a puncher's chance against a lot of the fighters he did fight before this. I'd say, yeah, that's a good fight because the thing that Connor could do is he could will the fight to get to the position that he wanted it to be in. Sure. And... I didn't see any moment of that during the his last fight in which he lost every round. Yeah. Oh, and, I
0: mean I he you might have given him 3. I think if we go back and watch it maybe he gets 3.
1: Right, and I and I think that I think it's 3, 2 or 3, whatever. Right, and I'm saying that like maybe that one because you're like As you try to justify to win that round is the problem. So if you try to justify what an entire fight looks like, it's hard to say that this is what would happen, that he could come back and win that fight. Well, and and remember,
0: we could argue that round one is a 10-8 round, so winning round two doesn't actually do anything to you anyway. In a math game,
1: I mean, I mean, I still feel like I have a pretty good grasp on this sport and I don't know what kind of scoring system they're using every time they step into the (laughs) octagon.
0: (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's move on to some bigger news uh, this week. We get UFC 239 starts to congeal. It looked like it was going to be a lot cooler. That it, than it is uh, where there was a moment we were going to get John Jones and Stipe, which I don't know about you, but I was super excited about. Yes, please. Um, we did not get that. We got Tiago Th- Santos and John Jones as John Jones con- continues this year to do what he said he wanted to, which is fight four times. And you and I being pragmatists both understand he's not going to take four huge marquee fights because he wouldn't be able to do four fights then if that's what he did. Um,
1: but I'm bummed it's not Stipe. I'm very bummed that it's not Stipe, but if you're trying to rebuild the brand of John Jones, you're putting him against what is a formidable fighter. I mean, none of these guys are slouches in what they're doing, but you are going to get to see him open up a little bit more. And you don't know what the the very first heavyweight fight of John Jones looks like. And if he's fighting Stipe, that's a tall order to overcome uh yes although he is a 24 to 1 favorite against depe no against tiago santos right so formidable let's use that in air quotes right but do you remember like i remember the the up like the up and coming john jones and all the stories that he was getting and the fights that he was getting in the, the masterful um mm-hmm. and a little bit raw at the moment cuz you're saying oh he's so creative and and now you're starting to see some of the things he do he does over and over again, but at the moment, it was new, and it was super fresh, and I think that if you take him against these opponents that are maybe not that absolute top tier, and he's, he is cleaning out what is the 205-pound division, but I think you're starting to get to see him like, breathe a little bit more inside the octagon, and it's kind of reintroducing him to the entire uh, world that hasn't watched him for the last five years.
0: Fair, but don't you think he's also hollowing out 205? Because if he leaves 205, do you respect anybody that's left there after he's beaten all of them? I mean, because if he he takes four fights this year, he will beat anybody that's interesting in that division and then leaves to go to heavyweight or leaves because of something happening or leaves because he's just done. That, to me, without Cormier and without John Jones, is a bunch of people that are taking second place at that point.
1: Right. And I think that the UFC has proved one thing more than others is that it has no problem hollowing out a division to build a person. I mean, they, they will build, they will build a name on the bodies of anybody else, whether they're ready to get there, they're too old or they're in the prime of their career. They'll cut them down in order for the next person to win. And I can appreciate that at the same time. um, What they'll do is they'll just move on to a different division until somehow that kind of congeals back into something that's interesting again.
0: Do you think as, as I'm, hearing you talk, do you think maybe what they're trying to do is play a little chess here? And by that I mean we're gonna test the water, see how interested you are in Stepe and John. We're gonna do the Tiago Santos thing, which would be fight
1: two of the year, right? Or three? Two. Two of the year. But three in pretty quick succession. So three
0: in pretty quick succession depending on how we're talking, right? And then perhaps he does one more at two oh five and then at the end of the year does Stepe because Cormier would be done at that point?
1: Yeah, and then at Right, because
0: then you would have—that would not be an issue?
1: I mean, according to most people at that point, and I don't disagree, then he would have the run of two divisions because the only person that plays the two divisions there is also D.C., who has made a hard, fast rule that he's retiring this
0: year. So I wonder if that's the play because you and I have talked for five years that there is nothing— And I'll use nothing in air quotes because the sport changes so fast, there might be something else interesting. There's nothing more interesting than John Jones going to heavyweight. Right? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what they're doing. They also (gasps) announced a less interesting fight, which is Nunez
1: and Holly Holm. Your thoughts on that? Confused more than anything. Because Um, Holly Holm doesn't deserve to be there at all? Well, she keeps there's no doubt in my mind that she is top tier. I mean, she did things in the sport through many years. Sure. But I haven't seen what she's done in the last few years in order to get back on that pedestal and be at that title contention again. And I'm, I'm looking up her. And actually, to be totally honest, I didn't even look at what division it's in. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Because as it stands, you have Nunes at 135 and 45 as the current champ, correct? Correct. So is this a you call it or is it for two belts? Uh, I will give you
0: that answer first. I just wanted to look up one more thing, which was, yeah, so she's two and two in her last four fights. Right. Right. And Uh, and she's going to, we're doing bantam on July 6th. So bantam weight. Gotcha. Hmm. So I just, when you look at two and two, I just, again, when you've got somebody like Amanda Nunes, who is just a spectacular human being, advocate for the sport, all the things that you should be celebrating, it feels like we should find more apt competitors. Because it's hard for me to believe we're still at the point that these divisions are that hollow, right? Right. Save for Cyborg's division, which was designed for cyborg and when you dethrone cyborg you have nothing right right um
1: i it just seems like there would be other people it seems like there'd be other people and you're looking at um, rumors of nunez already talking about wanting to retire so she after her last fight said i've accomplished everything i wanted to accomplish and then i'm done and i think that maybe her coaches or somebody else talked her back into maybe a few more and maybe it's money or maybe it's um the drive is still there. I don't know what it is actually is, yeah. but that does mean that if you take out one of your top contenders one more time in Holly home, like it's going to be hard to like to put who as the next title contender for that division because she, she becomes Gustafson at that point. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about because we do have some fights this weekend. We've got Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez fighting in one which I think is super exciting for those two guys to see what happens with their career. But specifically, I want to talk to you about a fight that I know you and I are both super excited about in Edson Barboza and Justin Gaethje. My
1: favorite matchup on paper of the year, which almost guarantees it's going to be a five-round decision. I pretty much don't even want to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I shared an article with you that I thought was really fascinating where ESPN, which you and I have not talked about on the podcast, but have talked about plenty outside their coverage of this, say what you want about the model having to buy ESPN plus or whatever. The coverage has been awesome. If you like MMA, they've done an amazing job of getting you content. That's about MMA.
1: That's one of the most interesting things that I think if you look at the 30 for 30, uh, take when you kind of say what happens outside of the the lines, I sure. guess, um, their coverage Is different as as far as how they cover sports and you're already seeing it in that article and specifically it was what's the aftermath of when both of these monsters kick you in the leg 52 times in a fight
0: yes and you know because I believe it was Eddie Alvarez who addressed the thing that a lot of people say why can't you check the kicks and it's like okay but but still your body goes no mas. Right, The nerves go, no mas. The muscle goes, no mas. And so what, what do you think about this fight? Because technically, it feels like if we're going with a technical fight, it's Barboza's to lose. Because the thing that Gaethje is more than willing to do is to give one to get one. Right. Which is, against Barboza, seems... Way more dangerous than, let's say, the Michael Johnson fight, which I assume is also one of your favorite fights of Justin Gaethje's career.
1: Correct. uh, And if you look at Barbosa over the years, people have uh, said that he has a suspect chin. Sure. And... I actually disagree with that. He does have the he does get knocked out in a fight, but I don't think it's because he's getting hit with something that's just putting him down. He's so explosive that if you look at his knockouts is when he is moving his own physical body forward and he lands himself on somebody else's fist. Gaethje is a guy who, like you said, will hit one to take one. He'll throw while you're throwing, and that's where I think it's the most interesting thing because I could see Barbosa who as a technical fighter should win this fight, could knock himself out on Gechi's fist. In the battle of leg kicks, though, who do you think will be,
0: who will get there first? I mean, because in that article, they talked about the speed of Barboza was something that you couldn't train for. So I wonder, do you agree with that? Is he gonna be the one that gets there first?
1: He's going to get there, yes, for sure. He's gonna get there first in, is this a five? This is a main event, yep. right? Yep. He's gonna get there first in the first two rounds, for sure. Once this fight slows down a little bit and they've both taken a few back and forth, does um, Gaethje's grittiness and ability to just throw through anything uh, start to add up? Because oh, you've never seen somebody leg kick back at Barbosa. Right. That's actually never happened. And um, But you've never seen somebody, somebody who can leg kick typically has a pretty good defensive leg kick. So you might be looking at Gaethje. Having almost zero success in that realm, and then you look at his other aspects, which is his wrestling. Which he I was just
0: gonna say, you think that's gonna be a factor at this point? Finally,
1: if finally he might decide to do that, and if he does, then you're looking at a completely different fight. Obviously, because
0: I mean, anytime Barbosa goes to the ground, it's a bad night for Barbosa.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, it is, and remarkably hard to get to the ground but that does shut down his leg kick game in fact when you look at wrestlers he starts to take it upstairs more often than downstairs because he doesn't want to get his leg scooped and then like taken down so which i guess if i'm saying that most low kicker like most kickers will kick legs on a wrestler but if you have someone that's going to scoop your leg from a leg kick position then they're going to take them down so that's why you see barbosa trying to headhunt and get sure. one-offs where he's throwing wheel kicks to your face in round three, which doesn't make any sense.
0: And what will be fascinating for me is both of these guys don't have very many tells in the hips, right? When you see these guys early on in the UFC and they're throwing kicks, you can see them almost wind. If you've watched enough, you can watch them wind up. These guys don't have a wind up. This stuff wings out of, out of empty
1: space. Yeah, and that's actually the advantage in this case would be Barbosa because he has more different leg kicks. He will attack the back leg, attack the front leg inside outside well, you low just said axe high kick, right? Like he's got Yeah. He has all of those and because he he has so many different versions of it, his setup is actually in his like natural movement. He doesn't have to set up because here comes the leg kick. I have to get my hips to this right. position. Right. And so I think that that's where I'm saying in the first 2 rounds, that's going to be Barbosa's game all day. Until it starts to slow down and your movement starts to get a little bit compromised because the other guy is kicking
0: you back. All right. Before we take off, you are heading to the illustrious metropolis of Waterloo.
1: Uh, You want to shout out to your fighters while we've got a second? Yeah. Um, So we have a stand-up warriors fight this weekend, which is... I call it a striking contest. I wouldn't call it Muay Thai. I wouldn't call it anything. It happens in a cage, but it is all the striking parts of the sport that people like to watch. So it's not an MMA fight then. Correct. Got it. Yep. And um, because of that, as far as an amateur fight goes, that's what a lot of people that are not into the sport, but just want to see two people fight. That's what they like to see. Yep. And um, we have Devin, who is a 125er going for the belt down there. We've got Jacob, who we call the hummingbird because he's got an, uh, just an amazing gas tank and can go more, more rounds than I've ever seen anybody go, and he just so happens to weigh 245 pounds. <laughs> and then we have a guy that has some of, the most, um, some of the most creative striking that I've ever seen from an amateur kickboxer who's going to be fighting in a 135-pound fight, uh, Matt Sova. Awesome. Well, good luck this weekend. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Yep. All right, guys, have an awesome weekend. Uh, We'll be
0: back next week um, with a couple podcasts that I will surprise you with next week. And um, we'll go from there. So have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk soon. This is the Incredible Hulk podcast.